your child's crying? It's not crying. She's having a good time. She's taking my uh, potato salad and throwing it at the next table. She's just ruining everybody else's time. She's inconsiderate. What a story you could tell her one day if she hit P. Diddy with some so, so you, tater salad. You went up to Sean Combs and you said, I apologize. I love your work and get him to the Greek. We're going to head out. I didn't say that. Okay. I don't know, just uh, my heels are dug in. I'm a cat man. Just firmly, you know, always have been. I that's not to say I don't love dogs. I love dogs. I love Chewy. Um and this isn't this isn't meant as an attack towards you, but um objectively wrong, so I wouldn't take it as such. Great. Um you know, we're aging, we're around a lot of young professionals. And there seems to be this epidemic where everyone needs to bring their fucking dog everywhere they go. Because what people do is they go, oh, I had a dog when I was growing up and I loved that dog. I now see how you couched it as this is not attacked towards you. Right. I get it. Now, um, they get dogs because they had dogs. They like dogs and they don't want to be alone with their own thoughts at night. They want a companion because they are, you know, they're having meaningless sex, but they don't really have a buddy in the house. But the thing about a dog is... It's not a cat. You know, I can leave for two days and dump some food out on the floor and Dot will be fine. You know, she's a very um, independent animal. But there's this thing going on where I went to two things two weeks ago, a, a birthday party, backyard birthday party. And uh, I'll get to the second event in a second. But we got, you know, 30 people in the backyard and I we, we have six dogs. <laughs> Everyone has to bring their fucking dog. Now, it, it turns into a dog park in the backyard and everybody's having a good time. Drinks are flowing. And then all of a sudden fucking Rocco and another one start trying to bite each other's fucking throats out. And we have to break up a fucking dog fight. I don't get this. It, it's just leave the dog at home or don't get the dog or it's just so infuriating. Dylan, two things are happening uh, at once that are very uh, unbecoming of human nature. And it, there are two things that weren't around a decade uh, ago, which is human beings bringing their dogs to everywhere they go, including the grocery store. Why is this Funerals. dog in the proto side? And no one's bagging their goddamn own groceries anymore, you fucking lazy pricks. Oh, I always bag my own groceries. Well, you have to, but I, I don't want to change it. I, 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 But I'm with you. But those two things, people used to bag their own uh, groceries. Right. Uh, or, the, you know, if there's someone there and they want to do it, but you don't make the girl who's going... Boop, boop, boop. The second she rings you up, then she's got to turn over into basket uh, person, bag. Sure, person. sure, sure. You fucking. I had two assholes. I was in a rush to get the fuck out of Ralph's on Saturday. Two pricks. Okay. They were in their mid 40s, had a 50 year old woman wearing a wrist thing on her fucking arm, yeah. bag their shit out. Right. One of the pricks was on his like phone, like one of those earbud things. I wanted to punch that prick. Right, in you're the face. derailing us a little bit. Sorry. We're trying to talk about dogs. Sorry. I, I just have a quick point about this thing, but I'm going to bring it back to the dogs yes. very quickly. This is a uniquely LA thing because. Uh -huh. Since I've been a child, there's always been a beggar employed at at the grocer. Right, 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 right. That there, honestly, it was unthinkable that I would ever bag my own groceries. It's like it's like the states that like make someone pump your own gas. Oregon, right? So I 
I'm kind of one of those guys. I'll do it, but I'm a little taken aback when I'm forced to beg my Well, when there's a line of people trying to move on with their fucking day, get behind there and start bagging your own shit. Trader Joe's is is a serial... uh, They place their employees in this predicament constantly, and I always say... You know, give me some fucking bags. Let's let's hit let's, this let's together. This I do, and I do pride myself in, on my bagging strategy. But back to the dog thing. It may yeah, su- yeah, yeah. it may surprise you as someone who brings Chewy to our recordings and without asking, put him in the intros of our show. That's fine. He That's drinks fine. my claw, Nick. Uh, but I I and and some of the stuff you your offerings for what's the dill? He's also partaken in. Right, right, right. Uh, he said it's a pretty t- tasty situation. If anybody's well, he wondering. Speak. Uh, he told me he we have unspoken language, yeah, but uh, this is what's happening. I've actually always been on your side of this. I hate people bring their dogs everywhere. They're like, oh, my dog has anxiety. My dog has anxiety. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I've never been one of those people because of the commitment it takes to have a dog, even though I love dogs. I'm yes. like, I don't have the time for it. I'm working. I'm out working. Right. This dog, by the grace of God, had fallen in my lap. And he does, in fact, have anxiety. So yeah. I have to bring him everywhere. Right. Uh, to the point, I've been kicked out of a Trader Joe's because he was long. I had to go sit in the car while Jules continued and finished yeah. shopping. Now, you're part of the problem. I know. You're part of the problem. But he has real anxiety and he fell in my lap by the grace of God. But this is what's had, like, uh, we live by the Silver Lake Dog Park. Every time I walk past it, every time, I feel like, now this is definitely narcissism, but I also feel as though I may be a walking curse. (laughs) I look at the dogs and I say, this brings me so much joy. It's such a beautiful sight to see them all playing with one another. The moment I, it is not in my sight, I hear the sounds of like warfare. It is the most terrifying noises these dogs Every time I pass, they start getting into a fight, horrifying sounds of a wounded animal. And I'm just, why are we manufacturing this high margin of error environment everywhere we go? It doesn't make any sense. These fucking dog parks. I think uh, these old white bags uh, that have a boring life go down there just to work up the drama. I, every time I used to go to this one off Mulholland, I stopped going there. One time there was a real big uh, attack of a pit bull. A on dust a golden up, retriever. Yeah. I had to pull the pit bulls because his pussy owners uh, didn't know what to do. He was just screaming. Right. I pull the pit bulls do- uh, jaws up. Notoriously like a hard set of jaws to pry apart. <laughs> right. But I said no more. To my wife, we're not going here anymore because it was exactly what you described. Every time you go there, it's like, oh, look at that guy throwing the tennis ball, the rover over there. Ten minutes later, you got a, a dust up, three dogs all biting each other. Right. You got a bunch of fucking chicken heads screaming at the top of their lungs. Because this isn't a marine base. These aren't German shepherds that are trained within an inch of their life. These are soft people with dogs like Nick who are bringing them to these dog parks. They're not well-trained. They're dumb animals. They're going to get into a fight every time. I'm actually with you guys, though. There's no more place more ripe for litigiousness yes. than the dog park. Yes. In fact, I, do, I won't. We'll drive by Silver Lake Dog Park, yes. and I'll go, Chewy, who's that? Who's that? And he gets excited. He wants to go. But I won't take him there. No. He's not good. He's been traumatized by his first family, and he's not good with other dogs. And I think part of it is my tenseness. He'll sniff very yes. nice, and they can, he can feel me. He can feel you. And then all you. of a sudden he's like, Arr! Yeah, 100%. So uh, just to, to end this. So I don't do it. We're at a funeral. <laughs> Next oh, awake! level. Awake. Awake. In the backyard. We're literally commemorating the dead. And there are four fucking dogs 
running around the tables, running underneath people's feet as people are delivering eulogies. A fight breaks out <laughs> between the dogs, between or- the dogs. Oh. And I am just looking around and I'm saying, what is happening to society? This is another podcast show. It's a show where we gab and goof about really whatever is the top of mind. I'm Dylan Saddle up next to one real Nicholas Davis. Say what you want about Chewy. He has much respect for the dead. What's going on, everybody? Happy to just podcast, everybody. Hey, everybody. How are you? What's up, man? I'm doing good. I'm feeling negative a little bit because I got all worked up. You got me whipped up. <laughs> he really hates people not I hate rude people. Let me show you a picture of this fucking prick. I was out in Malibu uh, yesterday. This bastard. All right, you're you're pour- pumping your gas at a fucking uh, gas station. Look at this prick. The way he fucking parked. He made it so that no one else. He dis- He made it so that the three other available gas uh, things. Uh, you couldn't pump the way this fucking prick. He even had his do- uh, door open. Unbelievable. To ensure that no one would. Uh, you have to confront these people. Well, you have to. I threw Social him a- assassin. You have to confront these I threw people. him a fucking look. He didn't move the car. Then you I have went to and bought say my words. gas station sandwich. You have to say words. Well, I don't want to get people. in a fight because people are shooting at each other these days. So funny that you are pulling that up. I took this picture literally hours ago. Look at this park job. Please send <laughs> see that. Both of you Look send me pictures job. of send me these pictures. Unbelievable. All right, I'll that is unbelievable, picture. Dylan. He's the guy is coming an in at a diagonal. You, the person can't park next to him. What are these people doing? Right. Pretend it's a city. So this doesn't look bad, the angle, but the way that he was angled out there, oh, he was I pushed so far. So he blocks the spot that you gas right next to him. Oh, and yeah. then if you try and pull in, he's so pushed towards the middle that you can't squeeze in on the uh, opposite side. This fucking old fuck. I would ask you to, you don't need to have a, you don't need to begin the confrontation at, you know, Mach 10. You can just say, hey, excuse me, do you mind pulling up because we can't really park here? You know, and and if they protest or get defensive, then you can, you know, choose to step away and concede or or, you know, ratchet it up a little bit. But these people there, it is it is so pervasive in this city. People are sociopathic. They have no concern for other people. And my wife always says, what, what are you, a fucking cop? No, I'm not a cop. I'm a decent human being. But I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen. Not all heroes wear capes. You have to confront these people. Or you could get real passive aggressive with it and pull up next to him. Neither of you can open your doors. You get out of your passenger door to pump. You need to see the picture. Watch the video to really get a picture of what we're doing. This guy, the guy that Pat took a picture of, is a sociopath. Sociopath. I think the pandemic had a lot to do this. People were already assholes, but then you, they lived in their houses for a year, and now they're, and they haven't been around a lot of people, and now they're getting out, and now... They've lost any any uh, concept of being a good decency. Human being. Yes, I mean even the car he's driving. It's this giant giant Audi. Audi. He huge fucking douchebag. Well, I tried to pull in and there was no room, and he didn't get it back in his car to then write the situation. And Nick, I couldn't do what you suggested, which is I'm not going to get into it with that passive aggressive stuff. I got you know two kids now, and I I just I can't be fucking around. Maybe he'll shoot me. It was just an option laying on the table. I don't want you to do that, Pat. Now I got a story for you guys that happened this weekend. Yeah. If you want more. Uh, I couldn't believe this when I heard it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so I I, I mentioned like what's the haps? Oh uh, well, I, I mentioned all the time. Now I, I got a second kid coming here, so I'm a father. I mentioned that a lot. What I didn't realize was that once you have kids, 
It's a different society. And we talk like an alien race that are mixing in with other human beings. You're breeders. We communicate with each other and we have a whole different set of rules when you have some crumb crunches with you and how we feel that those crumb crunchers should be able to interact with the non-breeders. Get this. Yeah. All right. So my day started out last Sunday. Uh, This is what a lot of people that do have kids know, like especially the young ones. Weekends are hell. You got to spend the whole day with a with a little person that's mind hasn't developed yet. Right, right, right. And you got to make sure they don't kill themselves. So typically you'll look, stare at your wife and say, we got to get the fuck out of here and kill eight hours. Because then when we come back, she's only got three more hours up till nap time. And then uh, daddy gets to get his medicine and drink a bottle of a vino. Mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. That's what Saturdays and Sundays are. <clears throat> get out of the house. What's your medicine? My vino? Oh, that your Pinot Grigio. Okay, so anyway, the wife and I this past week and decided on Sunday, hey, uh, let's go to Malibu Seafoods and then we're going to hit my buddy Glenn's who's got some crumb crunches over there. He's having a little pool party with a bunch of uh, other parents with their uh, little kids. So, what age are Glenn's crumb crunches? Uh, they're five and seven, but there were younger ones. A few of their work but friends mm-hmm. brought their kids. So How does Allie interact with other children? She's starting to interact more. Yeah, yeah. She's not going kid. Glenn, for those of you who don't remember, threw the worst bachelor party of all time. He threw my bachelor party. I had a great time, though. Mm-hmm. I want that to be clear. You remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you great, don't. Great time. I don't... There's there's a window where I don't remember when from when I like grabbed a waitress or whatever, got kicked out of that bar. You didn't grab a waitress. Oh, I was... No, rude. he tried dancing with someone rudely and then... No, 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 no. That was a different time. No, no, no. He was a whirling dervish. He, he was this close to getting knocked out. Right. He was spinning around like a Sufi in a fucking bar. If you invite me to the celebration... <laughs> I really didn't care. ...of your marriage, all I'm going to do is work my damnedest to just to have a good time, okay? And I was trying to have a good time, and the bar didn't want me to have a good time. What... Happened with the crumb crunch. But that was Glenn is what I was saying. So the wife and I decide, all right, let's kill the first half of the day by hitting this place called Malibu Seafoods on PCH. It's a spot. All right. My wife is attracted to anything with long lines. And in Malibu. Right. Yeah. So we go to this place and immediately when we get there, we see this thing called a Maybach. And my wife goes, oh, that's P. Diddy. See, my wife knows all the cars. So P. Diddy's there. And he gets out of his car. She knew it was P. Diddy from a... His, no, no, no. He gets out of the car. We oh, want to know was who was say, in the Maybach. A, a lot of people like, I love that box, car. Right. I love that car. I'm like, right, well, right, you'll right. never afford one, so who cares? Right. So anyway, we uh, order our food. We sit down at the goddamn table. My daughter, who's now 16 months old, in typical uh, toddler fashion, starts throwing shit everywhere. Right. The place is fucking packed. P. Diddy's like the next table over. I, I, I just... I, my personally... I can't handle it because I'm ruining other other people's time. Yes. I'm embarrassed by it. So I spend my whole time apologizing for this behavior. Your, you child, said- your children, your child's crying? It's not crying. She's having a good time. She's taking my uh, potato salad and throwing it at the next table. She's just ruining everybody else's time. She's inconsiderate. What a story you could tell her one day if she hit P. Diddy with some so, so tater salad. You went up to Sean Combs and you said, I apologize. I love your work and get him to the Greek. We're going to head out. I didn't say that. Okay. I, I cared, Missed opportunity. I cared about all patrons that we were ruining their lovely Sunday and their and their seafood. Got it. So I said, honey, we're getting the fuck out of here and we're heading, we're heading back to Glenn's early. Yeah. All right. So this is where it gets kind of interesting. So we go to Glenn's house and I'm sitting around a bunch of parents. I think there's probably 
eh, probably eight of us. And then like, I don't know, like six crumb crunchers swimming in the pool. And I start telling him this story about being at Malibu Seafoods right, right, and right. that I excuse myself from the situation because I'm not rude. And I don't want to ruin other people's adults. And I shared with them before I had kids, if I was on a date or something and going out to lunch and a couple got sat next to me and I start seeing the baby chair being pulled out there, I'd ask the waiter to move us. And I had no problem doing it in front of the young couple showing up with their kid. I I actually wanted to give it as a slight, like, I'm not going to let you two and that thing ruin my lunch. You were a non-breeder. That's right. And I was very annoyed by it. So get this. As you should be. When I get done telling everybody how we left and how I used to do that, they said with a unanimously said, fuck that. We don't care what they think. It's your life. All of them. These are people that work in the industry that write for shows that you watch on NBC. Obviously, yeah. I couldn't. Those people would conduct themselves like that. I was like, what if your kid's throwing plates like he's at a fucking Greek wedding? They said, I don't care. They'll deal with it. Really? People that don't have kids or they're just out on a date, we, we, don't, now this, we don't care how this they This didn't convince you to change your stance on- No way. Right. Because that's, that's uh, akin to taking up three gas pumps. Yes. It's akin to not bagging. Exactly. It's inconsiderate. And just because you're in a writer's room on a piece of shit television show does not entitle you to think you're better than anybody else. Because you have kids and you feel like the the planet's a better... I don't know. They didn't get into why they feel this way. It's just... It's essentially when you have kids, society needs to deal with your little, your little shits. Mm-hmm. I could not believe my ears. I think that's absolutely absurd of those people. Like, that's how you teach your child to, like, act right. Even at a young age, you take them out of there... And then you speak to him, as I've said many times before, like an adult. It'd be like, the reason we left that place is because Petity is over there and you're throwing potato salad at him and you can't be there. And I also want to compliment you on your wordplay. You say it's akin, it's akin, it's inconsiderate. That was fun. That so, was fun. Well, get this. And he was talking about his next of kin. This was probably 15 years ago uh, because I didn't have any money 15 years ago. Uh, when I'd go back to Massachusetts where I live, I'd fly home on Christmas Eve. Really cheap flights. By mm-hmm. the way, if you ever want to travel home during the holidays, take that Christmas Eve flight. It's There's hardly no one on it. So it's like almost like the red eye. I forget. We left at like 10 o'clock, right? That's a red eye. So uh, we're about halfway through the flight and this baby starts crying. Yeah. And you could see it was probably like six seats in front of me. The baby cries for probably two hours straight. I got my earbuds in, but you could just hear. And that sound of a baby it's crying. The, it's, it makes my insides congeal. It's the most awful noise. It, it's tough. I'm a non-breeder. So it stings my ears a little bit differently. I think you're getting accustomed to it, much like, you know, Chinese drip torture. You think that you're, you know. Or tinnitus. You're, or yes, exactly. You think you're getting used to it, but then, you know, that hum comes right back. Well, maybe I've always been a a nice guy. Well, uh, funny you say that when you're actually training to sing, one of the things a teacher will tell you is they try and get you to open up your throat like a baby does because a baby doesn't care yet. Right. They're inconsiderate. So but as human beings, as we grow and develop, we start being more conscious of our scream and our singing voice. They try and teach you to let that uh, go again. Anyway, be inhibited. So back to the point. Uninhibited, excuse me. midnight. We're halfway to Massachusetts from Los Angeles. This kid's crying and I hear one of the oldest, angriest old bitches yell at the top of her lungs, shut that kid up, god damn it. All right, now now, these are two different theaters here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) 
One, you are trapped in a tube 25,000 feet above the ground. It's a horrifying sound. And yes, you want the mom or the dad or the parents to do whatever they can. Perhaps Sophie's choice it if, if it's on them to make the child stop. But people who get pissed off at those parents, fuck off. Do you know who's having a worse time than you? Them. They're holding that fucking thing. Unless it's Glenn, evidently. But uh, Chill I, out. If you're in a restaurant or a grocery store, then but uh, that theater, get the fuck. Take the kid and leave. 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 You ruin everybody else's time. And people are paying money, hard-earned money to go out and entertain themselves, maybe for lunch. Not everybody can. Uh, it, that might be their one big thing that they're sure. doing. And you're fucking ruining it. I have a, because you're like, in most places, take it out. You can't do that in a flight. I have a solution that's not very PC nowadays, but you give it a little grandpa's old cough medicine. Yeah. Uh, you get one of those shooters, you put it in the lip. That's what my grandma used little to Jackie, do Little Jackie Daniels? Yeah, he'll shut the fuck up and actually have quite the good time. No, I think and, and you'll put on Thor. That's usually used for teething, but I think if you <laughs> gave him the entire ounce and a half, it would slow him down quite a bit. And, so, And if you're a smart traveler, you don't even have to wait for the waitress. You have those in your... Uh, your liquids because they're all less than 3.3 ounces it's a, it's a little loophole by so the, the book end next time you're at a fucking restaurant and there's a crumb cruncher two tables down that is tearing that table up like he's uh uh david lee roth backstage uh, with a catering table flipping it over or something being yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. animal that's an and realize story, the parents yeah. don't care about you and get even more pissed <laughs> right <laughs> right you have to confront these people i'm done all right so um we got two incredible stories to get to now, Nick is going to tell the tale of the Zanku chicken murders. Mm. He's trying to steal my bit. Uh, no, my, my, my bit is actually, uh, it's Business Wars. Uh, it's, it's a podcast by Wondery that's overproduced and told in, in like vocal impressions and there's too many sound things. I'm going to tell you guys about these businesses. It's like Southwest versus American. Yeah. Uh, uh, Netflix versus Blockbusters. Netver- Netflix versus... <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. Coke versus Pepsi or this one that was actually a little, it's a little off the beaten path for business wars, the Zanku chicken murders. But before we get to that, I haven't done this in a while, but it's time for a little history of the little deal. Now I told you guys when we first started this podcast about the evil blacklister, Roy Cohn and his lover boy, G. David Shine. <laughs> I remembered it and I loved it. It's one of my favorite segments you ever did, and I'm glad you brought it back. Yeah. Can I pee right in the beginning of it just so I have to don't have to pee? I'll coach you up on what he said. I'll listen. I, I pee very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. of course. Right, not too close. That's where my kid plays. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Not too close. Noted. I'm gonna yell this first part. So you can hear. It. So the, uh, the McCarthy hearings is what I, if. Uh, well, that was the first rendition right. of a little history with a little deal. It was all over uh, a homoerotic relationship. Uh, first episode, go back and listen to it if you give a shit. But tonight, I want to tell you a little story about a little legal precedent called the Matter of Chang. Mm. Sounds like a sitcom that's coming to ABC, but it's not. It's actually a little legal precedent called the matter of Chang. Before we get there, though, you ever heard about the Golden Venture, Rockaway Beach? I have not. Sandbars, horror. Mm -mm. All right. 
Well, before we get there, oh boy, let's talk about the fucking Chinese. I'm kidding. Kind of. I want to talk about China. Um, what, uh, while China was nearing the end of the 20th century, the great leap forward was uh, making people unhappy because of the starvation and the communism and the the death and whatnot. So we had a lot of Chinese emigrating to America from 1980 to 1990. 800,000 Chinese came across the seas to these golden shores. Now, most presidents were welcoming to the Chinese during this period, given the starvation and the blood and the guts being spilt all over. But uh, not, uh, there was one president who was not very welcoming to the Chinese. He had a proclivity for shoving cigars inside of interns' cavities. But we'll get to him in one second. Now, as a matter of Chang... Taft? No. Nope. Jimmy Carter? No. Nope. <laughs> Jeff, yeah, just kidding. <clears throat> Unless it was Clinton. It was for sure Clinton. Oh, well, I bet JFK did it. No, Clinton famously shoved it. I know. Okay. So as a matter of Chang, one month before Tiananmen Square, you guys remember. 1989. Tank, tank man, give us our country back, all that stuff. That man was brutally gunned down, by the way. He was. I was yeah. want to know what happened. Not a very happy ending, but brave nonetheless. And what a photo. So as a matter of Chang, a, a Fujianese refugee named Chang enters into the asylum process saying, please do not send me home. They will sterilize my balls and possibly kill me. Now, this young man is unfortunately a pawn in a larger game. Now, the INS immigration, naturalization, yada, 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 says we're getting clogged up. We got too many Chinese coming over. We need to slow this China shit down and we need legal precedent to do so. What they needed was precedent that stated that the one child policy and what was going on in China was too thin a reason to constitute fear to flee the country. Oh, Dylan, just, so just stop me for a second. Yeah. So for they were coming as not just applying for uh citizenship they were refugees they were refugees yes. two different things yes. so when you're fleeing south america from a, a dictator that basically is slaughtering his own citizens right. it's a whole different story than if you're coming here from sweden to uh work at some tech company. yes okay very very different so the ins getting clogged up with all these people says we got to figure out a way to make this not as concrete as it is right now because many presidents Carter, Bush, were like, holy shit, there's an atrocity going on in China. We have to welcome these people into our shores. So onto our shores. So despite Reagan's attorney general giving what amounted to a direct order to be as lenient on asylum as possible, they refuse Chang's plea. Now, as a matter of Chang, Chang is actually a pretty lucky guy because the high ups at the INS say, listen, pal, we don't give a shit if you stay. What we needed was the precedent. What we needed was the implication. He gets a backroom deal, gets his asylum outside of a courtroom because what he has provided to the INS, INS is a smaller needle eye for which the Chinese can come through. Now, let's fast forward to 1993. We are fresh off a transition between Bush Sr. and cigar smoker Bill Clinton who is still presiding over a pretty big fucking immigration problem. The one-child policy is scaring the bejesus out of people in China because in 1992, 12.5 million men are forcibly sterilized. That doesn't even account for people who volunteered for fear of harsher punishment. Wow. 
What do they do if you, uh, do you, uh, how much research you do here? What happens if you got a kid and then you have a second kid? What do they do with that kid? Throw him in prison. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, the, the kid? Yeah. I haven't gotten too far into the horrors of the one child policy, but a lot of children were taken and eh, killed and their parents were thrown in jail and sometimes executed. There was a lot of really bad shit going on. Wow. Especially female children. Yeah. China's like 60% male. Yeah. They have a demographic problem, right? So a lot of cums getting zapped and guys don't like their cum getting zapped. We'll go to great lengths to keep our cum from getting zapped. We'd go so far as to board a rickety fucking fishing boat with a fraudulent Panamanian flag on it with 300 fucking people pissing and shitting in various corners of the of the boat for four months around the Cape of Good Hope and across the Atlantic. And that's exactly what a young man named Sean Chen did now. Because people's balls were getting zapped, George Bush Sr. said anyone in China who fears for their balls or fears uh, political prosecution, uh, persecution can come over, which contributed heavily to an influx of Chinese immigrants. Now, I wish those infant females would have heard that message. Yeah, they did. it. Now, old Bill doesn't like fucking immigrants. Why? He doesn't like immigrants or he doesn't like fucking immigrants. No, he I'm sure loves fucking immigrants. Especially very young ones. <laughs> All right. The only race Clinton ever did lose was his reelection campaign for governor of Arkansas. Now, why did he lose? That fucking child rapist lost because, and I quote, the fucking Cubans. Leading up to the 1980 election, a bunch of Cubans, and by a bunch, I mean 125,000 of them arrive on the shores of the United States. Some of them are placed at Fort Chaffee in Bill's home state of Arkansas. Now, Cubans. I just showed Jewel Scarface. They don't flee Castro to end up in some fucking military base, uh, prison malarkey. So they riot. Thousands of them escape into the suburbs and cities of Bill's home state of Arkansas. And he loses that election because of it. So when they ask... Bill, why do you don't why why don't you like immigrants? He says the fucking Cubans lost me that election. So see how real life experience shapes policy. Mm-hmm. So Bill, and I'm almost done here. Bill gets elected. I'm fascinated, actually. Bill gets elected president of these United States. He doesn't have the most empathetic approach towards immigration. He's getting hammered about it in the press. What are you going to do about all these fucking people? When boom. The golden venture, the piss and shit soaked boat I was talking about with the fraudulent Panamanian flag rams into a sandbar on Rockaway Beach. Now, this was a boat that was supposed to have smaller boats taking passengers off in the middle of the ocean, ferrying them to shore and coming back. I'm not really sure what happened, but they didn't show up. So there were a lot of mutinies on board. Whoever the captain was now said, everybody get ready to fucking swim. We're ramming this into the beach. Multiple people drown, but most swim ashore and present themselves as a real sore in Bill's butthole. And it's a widely televised story. And people are wondering, what's Bill going to do? Well, contrary to the open armed Bush senior, Bill's going to lean on a little legal precedent. Called the Matter, Matter of, of Chang, Chang, starring Ken Ken Jung <laughs> starring Ken Jung and Aquafina. Now, Sean, you remember Sean, the young man? Yes. Chang. Different boat. Who ain't want his balls zapped? He go no, he's on the gold venture. 
He goes up for asylum, but because he's part of the Golden Venture, his case is light speed sped up. Clinton says, I've got the media breathing down my neck about these fucking Chinese. Let's stress test the asylum process. It's taking too long to get people processed. I think it was taken like a year or two at the time. It's I think it's much longer. Do they have now. to stay in uh, an encampment? Yes, longer? they were held at various prisons all over the country, oh, many in York. So Sean's attorney meets with him and says, so what's the haps? Why would you leave? Do you have any proof that you were persecuted? And he says, yes, I was expelled from school for attending a protest. She says, great, I'll contact the school. The city officials will get the paperwork to back that up. You stay here and rot in this cell. The word comes down. You don't have months to get that paperwork. You've got two weeks. She says, two weeks? What the fuck? And her friend says, comes directly from Clinton, says, we got to get these fucking Chinese process. Also, fuck the Cubans. She says, what do the Cubans have to do with it? And he says, never mind. You've got two weeks. So Sean's attorney rushes back in to see him and says, does your family have any paperwork that can prove that you were expelled? It'll be a lot faster than going through the filing cabinets of a communist government. He says, yes, I think my mom has the letter. And she did. But it's 1993. An email and an attachment you cannot just send. So they wait. Sean's mom tries to find the letter and she can't. But on the morning of the trial, a fax comes in. It's the letter. Sean's attorney gets the document translated, waltzes into the courtroom and says, you fuckers made it hard. But here is concrete proof. He was fleeing real persecution. The judge says, as a matter of Chang... <laughs> This letter isn't certified by the court and all evidence needs to be stamped before it can be presented. She says it just came in this morning. You guys sped this whole thing up. I didn't have time. He says a matter of Chang. This case is too thin. Asylum denied. Sean is deported, put back on a boat for a shorter journey this time. When he arrives back in Fujian, he is arrested, imprisoned, sterilized and dies month months later he is cremated and thrown in a mass grave of prisoners with no family and no loved ones within 500 square miles why don't we talk about what china is doing more and i'm kidding he actually got out of jail oh, in nice. york like years nice. later nice. worked in a pizza parlor and raised a family in america but that did happen to a lot of people getting denied and getting sent back home and getting their comes out and that's a little history with a little deal well is um, Matter of Chang uh, still on the books? I don't know. I think that we've entered into a new era of immigration policy. It's mm. it's kind of all over the place. Interesting. Now, we got a little bit of time. Let's begin. The Zanku murders. Now, Zanku chicken, uh, for those of you who aren't in LA it, it, it's a staple of Mediter Mediterranean uh, dog food takeout cuisine how dare you their chicken is now processed they changed the chicken vendor it's horrible I can't even I is it really it, that oh, makes yeah. me so sad done I, I used to love it Ugh. we used to get it every Friday night that was our thing I no longer eat it they're buying chickens that are uh, made of 10,000 chickens mashed together well, yeah we've only down. got four companies processing meat so. forgive me Nick but no more Zanku chicken for but, this guy uh, no apologies necessary I agree with you it's gotten much worse since when i first arrived in la in mm -hmm. late 2014 oh, that makes me so sad every time we get there it's slop uh 
I guess I'm I'm within the the real staple is their raw garlic sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I that it's all garlic to me. I don't know. I you still can like make that. it at home. You can make it at home. But the chicken is slop. Also, they're getting a little ch- uh, chintzy on the fucking portions. I got one scoop of white rice. I have nothing to back this up, but I assume chintzy is a racial slur. You are the only person I've ever heard who complains about. A lack, lack of, of rice. rice. <laughs> I like to dip it, it with the pita in, in uh, the hummus. Sure. But we are talking about the heyday of Zanku chicken, which became an L.A. staple of Mediterranean takeout. Jonathan Gold said, when I want chicken, I go to Zanku. Jonathan Gold was an inflection point in the history of Zanku chicken. He wrote his his glowing review uh, where, you, Weekly, yeah. where you you just you gnawed off the bone until there's nothing left in 1991. They were already making millions of dollars at their one single Hollywood location. Right. Uh, but it, it blew them up to a point uh, that uh, expansion was, was a must. What a powerful man. But my story does not begin in 1991. My, my story begins in 1915 with the Armenian diaspora. It, uh, fuck the Turks. It, it fuck the Turks, man. Uh, uh, just if anybody's worried, we quickly ran ramp up to like more current time sure, but, sure, it, sure. but it begins there where the parents of Vartkes Iskadarian yeah and I'm nailing that yeah mm-hmm. uh they they escaped the Armenian genocide yep. which Joe Biden uh for uh, all the faults that he has did recognize Armenian genocide how was it taking this long in April of 27 it's our relationship with Turkey mm-hmm. uh oil yeah, probably uh, well we have bases there Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they have oil, but it, it was our relationship with Turkey. It's their spices. We need <laughs> we, we need their spices that's and the, all, their currants. That's all you ever hear about Columbus. He was all about spices. Yeah. Man, if I would have gotten that spice trade. Why early. am I killing indigenous people? Have you tasted the food now? Uh, <laughs> it's so much better. But Varkas... Uh, uh, Iskadarian landed in uh, Beirut, the Paris of the Mil- the Paris of the Middle East. Yeah, a uh, a, a burgeoning uh, paradise. Uh, Plan on vacationing there next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really did call it that. It was right. actually well, a lively. Right. Now, now it's it's you know uh, it's in Lebanon. Oh yeah. In, in 1980, it was torn by civil war. Whatever. We'll get there. But his parents landed there. He was born there in Beirut. Uh, but when he was older, he went back and he visited Armenia and he was visiting a friend and he was walking along the Zanku River and he was intoxicated by the children's laughter at a campsite of a family that was cooking rotisserie chicken on the riverbank. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And that's when he came up with his idea to open up a store of Zanku chicken. Wow. And in 1962, he did just that in a uh. one room storefront, sand- uh, one room storefront sandwiched between a cobbler and another small business that also had a one room storefront. It's not important. Is this still uh, in Lebanon? Yes, this is in Beirut. This is in uh, uh, Beirut, Lebanon, 1962. He went back to Armenia, saw that family, was like, dope, I'm going to go back to Beirut, mm. opened up this this restaurant. The first Zanku chicken God. takeout, just like it was today. Wow. Uh, and his wife, Marguerite, uh, <laughs> With a, with a work ethic, uh, unlike any other, uh, just slaved away 15-hour days, seven days a week, 
pumping out this raw garlic and this rotisserie chicken yeah, yeah, yeah. with only now when you say rotisserie chicken nick i think for the audience that doesn't have a zanku chicken in their local neighborhood they do that full thing where they mash the meat into this gigantic size oh, dylan how would you describe this on a uh, spindle shawarma a spit. it's a spit a spit yeah and it's spinning around it probably weighs probably like 150 pounds and they slowly as it cooks they chop away the meat it's yes and uh, everybody who is a fan of a Dobo or Al Pastor can thank the people from the Middle East for inventing that kind of cooking. Which I didn't realize when I first fell in love with L.A. and two cholos I worked with at Mat Men, which I was later fired They for. called themselves that. They called themselves yeah. that. There's a restaurant out here called that, too, by the way. Uh, yeah. But uh, crazy. They took me. They they took me to one of the best Al Pastor off the spit places, and the whole thing was in flames, and they're shaving off the meat. Yeah, and I was intoxicated. They're nice. pineapple going no look onto the tortilla. I mean, it's just a marvelous thing, LA. Has. And I have to encourage those those interruptions so I can check my notes. Yeah, that's so what I'm much. Doing it. Yeah, any anything you got, please do. But uh, so, Vargas, he was a drunk. He was in a moment of clarity. Aren't we all? <laughs> he was a, he was in a moment of clarity when he had his his premonition to open up this place. But right. uh, he he continued to get worse at, at operating the restaurant. But Marguerite, yeah. she was the stalwart. She it's the story behind every good man is a good woman. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. The restaurant supported them, their three <laughs> children, and and Margaret's mother, another survivor of the genocide. Yeah. Uh, smash forward to nineteen sixty eight this small little uh, one one room, one room storefront, storefront by uh, a cobbler and another one room storefront as to, as <laughs> yes the cobbler also a one room storefront yeah. i don't know if we've mentioned that yeah. uh, <laughs> this little tiny restaurant has become a staple of the armenian community in beirut yeah. uh, at that time their their only son uh, they had three children mm-hmm. two daughters uh, but their only son marduras 27 years old at the time he is the the what do you call the the hero the The anti-hero oh Oh, he's the anti-hero the anti-hero of this this story uh the jake gyllenhaal he was once known as a playboy as heir to the zanku chicken restaurant i mean at this point they got one store but i'm telling you it was popping it was just popping like this guy was he had it i mean he was such a romantic he courted his soon-to-be wife uh by by stuffing love letters in his empty christian dior cologne bottles and heaving them in a in a sack of flour across the neighboring rooftop he was he was he was a true true gentleman but he wasn't uh and and rita's rita his soon-to-be wife her family objected for years that they they were to be married but uh she thought of them as romeo juliet and despite objections from both family they were married her family said uh he smells like garlic and lard (laughs) (laughs) he always smells like garlic and lard we can't have this house anymore. And and she said, you know what, mom and dad, I also want to smell like garlic and lard. Yeah. I will marry this man and I will live above that one room storefront and also smell like garlic and, and, and uh, lard. lard. lard yeah. Yet she never stepped foot into that restaurant. She was killed. Uh, no. Sorry. Uh, she just really was a part of it. She was a homemaker. Oh. Uh, she took care of Marguerite uh, as she got older, yes, despite yes. her working 15-hour days, Bunions, days a week. Bunions and whatnot. Um, in 1979, smash forward to, he, he's he's king shit. Zanku's, Zanku's popping. Right, right, right. Uh, but civil war is raging in Beirut, mm-hmm. and Marduros is hit with 16 bullets 
not from the Civil War. From a, he was an innocent bystander, or so they say, of uh, a dispute between a landlord and someone that who needs their money. That reminds me of the first time I went paintballing. Very nervous. I'm a young man. I'm sitting by the uh, the edge of the uh, or the arena that we're about to walk into. All of a sudden, yeah, fucking chess. <laughs> what the fuck is that? All my friends turn around, and start laughing at me. We weren't even in the battlefield. I got hit by stray paintball. And then you took CC to America and opened up a chain of Mediterranean race restaurants. It's just like that. Buy a cobbler in a one-room storefront. Oh, I forgot. One reason why Rita's family objected to the marriage is because he was accused as being an accomplice in a jewel heist where a wealthy Arab family's son was murdered. Yeah. Uh, but somehow got away with it by saying his friend uh, stashed the jewels in his attic. And then testified against his friend and two others and got away. This guy's an heir to a uh, burgeoning uh, chicken restaurant, chicken empire. Yeah. And he's out there fucking stealing jewels. He's 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 a troublemaker. He's getting caught up in Lebanese Latanzas when he's got a fucking burgeoning chicken empire. He's got a preside over. What a short sighted moron. He was he, he was doing jewel heist. He was riding a 442 Oldsmobile. I mean, this guy was living the life. He felt like he could not be touched. So. After that shooting, 16 bullets that he somehow survived, a la 50 Cent, they right. moved to America with many Armenian immigrants mm -hmm. in 1980. Uh, for three years, he's he's just cruising around Los Angeles trying to find storefronts that, that could fit a restaurant. But his All he needs is one room. But his parents, who came with... They were like, we're sick of the restaurant business. We work too hard. We want to chill out and open a laundry service. Right. That also proved to be too hard. Also, Marderos, uh, he torpedoed it by, evidently he was allergic to some of the chemicals that mm. you need to... Uh, sounds like a real bitch. Yeah, he sounds like a real bitch. Yeah. So then after that, they tried to do uh, import exports of suits, but the lack of context, uh, contact contacts in the textile industry yeah tough one yeah it, it that also torpedoed them three years of failure. i think people have the context now to understand why you struggled with that yeah yeah <laughs> thank you Th and also three and three force clause deep. that will be done in five minutes uh and yeah tell me when you cut me off and go to the next one well, we gotta we, need a we gotta stop at a cliffhanger oh here's a good cliffhanger 1983, through his mother's tears, he finally convinces her to open the first Zanku chicken in America Hashtag in a USA. Sh shitty strip mall on Hollywood Boulevard. His his family was was just disgusted by the location they picked, but he had a he had a thought. Why? Because it wasn't Glendale. Uh, he, great point. Mm. But no, he had a thought that uh, this place would soon be discovered as a hidden gem once a critic tasted her raw garlic. And the next, next episode, but uh, Nick, tease that there's some murders that happen here. Oh, it's the Zanku chicken murders. I think they got uh, okay, that. Okay. Well, we've already had Lebanese Latanza heist. We've had his, his father get riddled with bullets. No, he was riddled with bullets. He was riddled with bullets. Varkas actually was just a drunk, probably not showing up for work and forgetting people's garlic sauces. This story is drenched in garlic, lard, and blood. Wait till you meet Marderos's four sons. And you will hear all oh about the murders. 
at patreon.com slash another podcast network. Guys, jump in the iTunes ratings and reviews. We really need your help. Five stars, kind words. Let us know what you think, what your favorite segments are, all that stuff. We want to hear from you guys. Um, that's it for us. Until next time, I'm Dylan saying goodbye. Nick, say goodbye. Goodbye. Pat, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.